Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? How many of you guys are ready for a steaming hot, fresh from the oven revelation from the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. Well, let me just start out by saying this. Last week, I stepped on some toes, got a few emails, but thank you. Uh, They were friendly in nature for the most part. Uh, I also want to say this. It's going to be a lot worse today. Yeah. Um, But I also want to start by telling you a story. Imagine one family at a time. I invited you to my house for dinner, and I sat down and you looked at your plate and my plate, and my plate had a filet, bacon wrapped, grilled medium rare, perfect, right? And then you looked at your plate, and there was a cold hot dog, ungrilled, straight out of the package. What would you think of me? Would I be a good host, yes or no? Horrible. Okay, why did I tell you that story? What would happen if I apply the goodness of the word of God to my life and I walk in its benefits and I don't share it with you? So today, I'm giving you the filet. Today, I'm giving you the word of God. Why? Because I've seen the benefits of it. So what you're getting today is not some head shrinkers guess at how we should do it. It's not some... Uh, a news channel's opinion, you're getting the unadulterated, non-watered down, ever and infinite powered word of God. The reason why I'm telling you that is because a lot of times when I get up here and I say some things that may challenge us, what it really is, is it's culture's weaknesses sloughing off of a believer. And it, it's not comfortable, I get it. Sharpening rarely is comfortable. But if you will let it sink in, if you will let this be applied to your day-to-day life, you are guaranteed to see differences. Positive change in your family. Amen. So today we're going to continue the better series. Uh, The first week we talked about the number one priority. The number one priority of every believer is keeping Christ first. Second, the second priority is our marriage, right? Uh, We should never get our priorities out of line, which leads me to priority number three, the family. The family. That looks something like this. Your children, those who God has put under your uh, responsibility in your care, then extended family, distant cousins, aunts, uncles, so on and so forth. Uh, But first, as parents, our number one responsibility is to our children. And let me say this, not our parents. Watch me. I know this is going to frustrate some people. God entrusted you to them, not them to you. Now, as they get older, we have a responsibility to take care of them. Yes or no? Absolutely. But when it comes to rearing children, we don't do it mom and dad's way. We do it God's way. Amen. So we're going to go to the Word today. We're going to talk about rearing children, how do we manage different familial relationships, 
And I hope at the end, you still want me to be here and uh, we're going to have a good time in God's word. Let me start by saying this. God has a clear plan for the family. It's not up for question. There are certain things that when you go to the scripture, you can think, I need to ponder that. I need to just marinate on that. And, and let me pray about that. Family and its priority is not one of those things. It is clear in black and white what our priorities are supposed to be, how we're to manage those relationships. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because the world has a way of tiptoeing around God's word and slowly distracting us and leading us away from his will. If this TV monitor was God's will, and we were all called to keep our hand on it according to the scripture. The word would not come in at that wall and say, this is the way to do it. Nope. The word comes somewhere about right here and says, here's, here's what we recommend. That's great. But we've, we've, we've done some studies and some research, and we think it's better doing it this way. So maybe along with that, you start here. And you add in some of this to that. And I tell you, the enemy's slick. And pretty soon you wake up one day and you're all the way against the wall and you ain't touched the word in so long that your family's struggling because of it. And I tell you, line your family up with the word. Do what the scripture tells you to do. If you do that, there are promises in God's word that pertain to you and your family. Amen. So today, I'm just warning you, if something stings a little bit, let it sink in first, and again, process it according to the word. I'm not giving you the book of Josh here. I'm giving you the Holy Scripture. Amen. If you show me the value a society places on a family, I'll show you a future for that society. Our society and our government, our powers that be, have uh, initiated a concerted effort to destroy the human family. Just the way it is. Right now in America, if you are a father, you are made out to be a buffoon on television. Yes or no? If you are a father, you watch any television show, any sitcom, any stories, whatever you watch, the father is always made to be the idiot. Can I tell you, God's way is different. God calls us as men to be spiritual lightning rods for his presence in our homes to be beacons of wisdom and increase strength for our families, not these bumbling buffoons they put on TV as fathers. You know, we become the laughing stock. And I tell you, your family begins with the father. Now, we can't always control circumstances. I get it. Things happen. But let me say this. Children need a father. They do. A lot of what's going on in our society right now is is we have fathers who have not stood up spiritually. And so the mother has tried to fill in the gap. The problem is, is that mom, you were never created nor called to be dad. And you are carrying a burden that is way too heavy for you to lift. And so you find yourself as a single mom, or maybe he's an absent father. Maybe you're still married, but he's not doing and pulling his weight. And I tell you, you are going to get weary because it's not supposed to be on you to carry that. Why do we need fathers in the home? Fathers are beacons 
of God's truth. In our highest and best use, we reflect God to our families. Fathers, let me say this. If you ever come into me for counseling, the responsibility is on you for your house. It's on you. It's on me. Not once in the scripture does God look to a woman and say, why didn't you do your family the right way? Men, let's stand up and be the leaders God's called us to be. Amen. Mothers, support your husbands. Manage that relationship well. If your husband makes a mistake, that's fine, but conceal it from the children. Make sure you honor the fathers to the children. Fathers, honor your wives to your children. Amen. These are just things that this past week I was studying, and I'm finding out that all of the problems that we're having in our family today is because there's been a deterioration of self. Self is the acid to the family. Well, it's about me instead of about us. It's about what I desire more than what the family needs. If you trace back, uh, I would say probably 90% of divorces, what you're going to find is somewhere along the way, somebody was jealous or somebody had lost self-control, and that's the purpose behind the divorce. Now, how do we fix it? We trust God. We go to the Scripture. Today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Holy Scripture about the American family, and not just the American family, the family worldwide. Um, a lot of this is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. We're going to read this. There's a lot of hidden truths in this we're going to talk about today. A lot of hidden truths. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate. Another word there is provoke. Do not provoke your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're going to break this down just for the next couple of minutes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever had your parent whip that out on you since you've been an adult? Married in your own house, paying your own bills. And then somebody says, honor your father and mother. Let me just nip this in the bud real quick. Children. Don't pay their own bills. Children don't live in their parents' home. When you are out on your own and you're experiencing, you're taking care of business, you're handling your life, and you're all on your own, this scripture does not apply. And let me tell you what happens. Now, your mama and daddy are replaced by God's word. So now, instead of honor your father and mother, the verse shifts over and it says, hearken diligently into the word of the Lord. Why? Because mom and dad have raised you. Now it's God's turn. Parents, how we raise our children directly affects how they receive a relationship with Christ. Fathers, I cannot warn you enough. How you treat your children is going to create in them an avenue or a roadblock on how they receive Christ. I see it all the time. I get up here and we sing, he's a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. We sing all these good songs and there's people sitting in the crowd saying, they ain't no good fathers. 
My father was abusive. He was cold. He was closed off. He was compartmentalized. He never had time for me. And so when we sing about a good father, they're like, well, I mean, I had shoes on my feet, so maybe God's that way. Maybe maybe he, he, he's like my father. Maybe what they're saying is true. Maybe he really is like fathers that I've experienced. Can I tell you, this is why it's important to do it God's way. Because when we line up our lives as fathers and do things God's way, we hand the baton so smoothly to him that they're able to receive him with no confusion. Your job, make no mistake, and this is where America has completely dumped the rails. You are raising adults, not children. I'll say it again. You are raising adults, not children. You are raising humans that will have to stand on their own two feet, pay their own bills, make their own way, make their own decisions. Okay, here we go. Make their own beds, wash their own dishes, cook their own food, wipe their own behinds. Hello? Hello? Got 15, 16-year-old kids talking about, I thought mom was going to my head. What? You thought mom was making your bed? Well, mom uh, and dad are keeping the lights on. That means you make the bed. We have created these comfort-chasing humans we call children. And then when something happens to us, they are ill-equipped. This world is a savage place. You better raise monsters. You better raise people that's got some fangs on them that can handle the wilds of this earth. You better train them up in the scripture so that they can lean on its wisdom after you're gone. But instead, what we got as parents, well, they got a lot going on in school, so I'll do everything for them. Honey, all you gotta do is breathe. Dad's here. What? What a weak generation we're bringing up. If you don't believe it, cut the news on. Cut the news on. You ever seen one of these teenagers get arrested? Do you know who my dad is? <laughs> Do you know who you're messing with, sir? Don't they? I'm a chaplain for the police department. The stories I hear and I read the little recaps, you wouldn't believe the stuff they tell. They call our, they look at authority like they're punks. You know why? Might be that they're used to some punks being around them. Might be they're used to weak leadership. Might be they're used to raising their voice and getting their way. You're not raising babies. You're raising adults. For those who have raised your kids. They're empty nesters. They're out, hopefully paying their bills most of the time, right? I don't think it ever ends. Uh, we're always going to support our families, yes. Sometimes we got to let them fail, don't we? Sometimes we got to let them fail. Wendy and I have conversations a lot of times, and um, Wendy, is a she's a fixer, and I love her for it. But there's times I tell her, let them fall. 
Let them fail. Let them, let them make mistakes. Let them put it in the ditch a couple times. Why? Because they'll never know their own capability to fix it if we never let them fail. Right? It's in a controlled environment. I'm not going to let it get chaotic. I mean, I'm not going to let it get so out of bounds that I can't get it fixed. But what I'll tell you is this. If you're always coming up and cleaning up your kid's mess, they never realize the disasters that they've become. Is this okay? Can we have this conversation? If we can't have this conversation in the church, we can't have it anywhere. So when you drop them off to us, you bring them to us on Sundays, we're going to give them the word of God. But that is no substitute for your parenting. Uh, We get this. We get this. We get parents that come at us. Well, you wouldn't believe how they're acting during the week. What are they learning on Sundays? Yeah, okay. How about this? Bring them to me for a whole week. Let me see what happens to them. Drop them off on Monday. Come pick them up on Sunday evening. Probably not going to enjoy the situation. But I bet some things will shift. There are no bad children. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There are children who are strong-willed. But there aren't bad children. There are children who've been given bad boundaries. There are parents who have been weak at their post. There are parents who have been more desiring to be a friend than a parent. Uh-oh. 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 I've seen people pull their feet back on that one. <laughs> Ooh, close. You got close, preacher. You got close. Why am I, why am I doing this? Bible calls the church to be different than culture. People ought to know our children by the honor they bring. They ought to be able to look at any child of any family in this church and say, you know what? I can tell that's a family of believers. Why? Because their kids just reflect a, uh, a, a, a certain energy, a certain lifestyle, a certain personality that represents Jesus Christ. And that will never happen unless we as parents know what righteous raising of a child looks like. And so, yeah, I can sit here, I can preach an encouraging sermon to you and make you feel good and and have you walk out saying, well, Pastor Josh, well, he had that one one line. Let's put it on Facebook today. He had that one line that was so good. And we go eat lunch and then by tomorrow, nothing's changed. Or we can get down to some brass tacks. And we can change a few things, shift a few things, alter a few things, amend how we lead. And we can have families that represent Jesus Christ. Amen. That's my desire. So let's dig into it just for a second. One of the things I want to talk about, because I get a lot of questions on this, is correction. Correction. How do we correct? How do we um, admonish our children? How do we sharpen them? Now, this scripture that we read says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Can I tell you the way you correct is an opportunity for two things. It's going to go one way or the other. You're either going to provoke them to anger or you're going to provoke them to righteous living. You're provoking them either way. You're leading them either way. Your action 
is going to create a reaction. One of the things that I learned early on, my grandfather would correct us for minor things that honestly weren't issues. They were his anger coming out in correction. So it was nothing to see me or one of my cousins hit with a boat or PVC pipe, jumper cables. It was whatever he can get his hands on. Let me just make this very clear. There's a word for that. Abuse. Let me also say this. If you are correcting your children and the emotion of the situation, stop doing that. There are moments to where your children will drive you bananas, yes or no? Yes or no? I ain't got kids like I got them. There's times me and Wendy will just stop and look at each other and go, who do they think they're talking to? I mean, I'm over here. I'm stretching. I'm ready for a fist fight. I'm like, all right, come on in. Let's go. Uh, you don't want it with me. I'm a grown man. You got six, four, 300 pounds of aggression. I'm ready. Please, please. But then the word of God tells me different. Word of God says, don't provoke them to anger. That means don't let my emotion be what they receive out of the correction. Can I tell you, if your children fear you more than they honor you, there's a problem. So what does that look like? First off, it looks like not running from correction. A lot of parents, again, at the desire to be a friend, have yielded to all correction. I'll never forget. I met a family one time. It says, we, we don't use the word no. I said, well, if you're at McDonald's and they said, you want cheese on that, how do you answer? You just take the cheese? What if you want a hamburger and not cheese? I don't know why you would, but why would you say? So you just let anything go. Well, no, I mean, in the real world, we use no. Okay. So just in the most important task of your life, you don't use no. Because see, here's the truth. We as believers, we get ourselves right. And then our number one responsibility after that is to raise godly children. The scripture says in Malachi that God desires righteous offspring. So now you and I are supposed to raise righteous children. And I tell you, that doesn't happen without the word no. Never has, never will. And if I offend you with that, that's okay. It's okay. I, I want you to hear this. The Bible takes it a step further. The Bible says those who love their children will correct them, but those who spare the rod hate their children. That's what the Bible says. Now, let's be clear. Am I talking about going to get a big old piece of wood? Every time your child messes up, you wear them out with a big stick? No. No. I learned correction um, through the word of God because I had seen correction done out of emotion. And I knew how that correction made me feel. I very rarely got righteousness out of it, but I got fear with it. Say it anyway. How you were raised is not an excuse for how you raised. 
It's just not. Well, it's how my dad raised me, and I turned out okay. Did you, though? Right. Did you? <laughs> I mean, I just want to throw it out there. I mean, if we, if we still be an abusive to children, did we turn out okay? That's not okay. So I, when Wendy and I got married, we prayed for kids. We, were, we couldn't have kids for a long time. Some of you know that story. So when we finally did have kids, I desired to do it God's way so bad. And I put it in the ditch constantly. I got to be honest with you. I mess up all the time. But one thing I did make a, just a pact with myself that I would never do is I would never correct my children in anger. Never. And praise God to his glory, I haven't. And it's hard because them rascals will push you. Don't push us because we're close to the edge. Not to lose my, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, listen. So our kids will push us. Raph, will they push us? They'll push. I mean, little ones. The little ones don't have no teenager now. They must have, ha, 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 ha. They, they, got, they got full body, ha, 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 ha. Got a finger they'll put at you. You know, they'll get, get going. So how do we correct that? Number one, we point out the problem. How you're acting is not okay. Nora at seven, I'll pull her to the side and I'll say, listen, you're going to be punished for what you just did. And then instantly she begins to try to work her way out of it. Well, Dad, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, Nora, I want you to go to my room, sit on my bed. Daddy will be there later. But, Dad, wait. Am I getting a spanking? Yes, ma'am. Dad, no, please. I didn't. No, you hit your brother. We don't put hands on each other in this house. Why? Because if it's not corrected, next thing you know, somebody hits back. Now we got real problems. Nora, go to Dad's room. If I'm eating, I'll finish eating. If I'm doing something, I'll finish what I'm doing. My kid's action does not dictate my response. The word of God dictates my response. And a lot of times we let the emotion of the moment control how we respond. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Can I tell you, if you let emotion control you, the enemy's got you by the throat. So how do we do it? First off, we acknowledge the problem. We correct it. We say, hey, this is what you should have done. Now I want you to go in the other room. I'm going to come in there. You're going to get a quick paddling, and then it's over. What's that look like? I'm just going to be completely open with you today. I want you to hear how it is that I feel that the Scripture tells us to correct. I go, and I sit on the bed with them. I ask them a question. I'm very calm. I say, why are we in here? Because it's important that they understand why they're at this point. Tell me, tell me, tell me why we're here. Gabe, is this how I correct? If at any time I say anything that's not true today, raise your hand. Okay? I'm, I'm, guys, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you exactly how it goes. I sit next to them and I say, tell me why we're here. What is it that happened that's not right? And if they say, well, it's because of this because of this, it's because of this, and it's wrong, I correct it. 
And I tell you, a lot of times a kid will say, because you caught me doing so-and-so and so-and-so. No, 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 no. Let me be clear. Not the getting caught part that made you guilty. It was the action. Right? And the reason I do that while they're young is because later on, they start taking responsibility for self. Even nor at seven now. And this has happened, okay, what is it, maybe four or five times in your life? I mean, hardly ever. It hardly ever has to get to that point. If you find yourself whooping a kid all the time, there's a problem there. So I sit them down. Tell me why we're here. They tell me. I say, okay, here's your punishment. For that action, I'm giving you two swats with a spoon, wooden spoon. And I say, I want you to lean over my leg. Huh? Wait, Dad, no. Wait, Dad, please. No, wait. No? Listen. There are consequences for action. And I would rather you learn from dad's heart than the county judge's heart. Because my heart, when this is over, we're going to hug it out and it's over. We're going to go back to what we were doing. We're going to enjoy being together. And we're going to be fine. So I'm asking you to lean over my leg, lean over the bed, whatever it is. You're going to take your paddling and then we're going to move on. Dad, no way. They try to fight everything. Can I tell you, adults, we're the worst about running from consequences. Don't be shocked when your children try to do it. The last time I took Nora into the room, I told you, so you're getting one swat. Said you, you swung on your brother. And when she swung, I'm talking about swung on him. We don't do that. Why? Because there's a history in my extended family of abuse. We don't use our hands but for anything but to love. So took Nora in there. I said, you're getting one swat for that action. Said, lean over my knee. Dad, no way. Dad, please, no, Dad. I said, no, I'm not going to force you to do it, but we'll wait here until we're both starving to death. And I've got more reserves than you've got. And finally, she said, wait, wait, wait. I said, how about this? I said, now you're on the edge of disobedience because I've asked you to lean over to take your SWAT. If you don't lean over, there's going to be SWAT number two coming. I'm giving you one last chance to do what I've asked you to do. Because if you don't do what I ask you to do, there's a penalty coming for that. Okay, okay, but if I do it now, I just get one. That's right. Just get one. Okay. And so she'll lean over my knee. It's the hardest thing for a parent to do. It is so unnatural. It's also incredibly necessary. So I give her her SWAT, which she acts like the end of the world has come. Right? And she sits up on the bed, and for about two seconds, she looks at me like I just absolutely wrecked her world. <sighs> and guess what I don't do? I don't console her. I let her sit in that moment for a second. Why? Because correction is about making a mark in their memory that what I did cost me something I don't want to pay. So after she calms down, I look at her and I say, can we talk? Yes, sir. Are you ready to talk? Yes, sir. Okay. And I go in the bathroom. I get them a wet washcloth. I wipe their face. And I tell them, I say, I love you. And I desire the best for you. And what happened today Right now, it doesn't mean to you that I love you, but someday it will. And until then, you just got to trust Dad. 
But here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that this hug I'm about to give you is everything I have to give you. Everything I have is yours. Stand up. Let me hug you. Stand up and I hug them and I hold them tight. I just whisper to them, I love you. I kiss on them and I love on them. Then I say, are you ready to go back in the other room? Yes, sir. I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You go to your brother. You tell him you're sorry because you have transgressed against your brother. You go love on Gabe and tell him you're sorry for what you did. Or you need to go tell mom you're sorry for how you talked to her. Or you need to go tell Maddie you're sorry you did something to something she owned. Or you made whatever it is, I make sure I second that correction by making them go back and make it right. And I tell you, it's the hardest thing to do. I'll take correction all day long, but don't make me go back and fix it. Can I tell you, this is how we create honor in children. Forcing them to go back to the air of their ways and say, what I did was wrong. I represent something greater than myself. I represent the kingdom of heaven and what God's called me to is better than what I've ever showed you. I'm sorry for that. So it starts when they're little. Can I tell you, if all you do is spank a child and walk away, fail. Fail. That child just feels like they got hit. They don't know why. You got to talk to them, have conversation. That is a moment that I promise you will, will adhere your children to you, not run them away from you. If you do it the right way, they will see your love in it. They won't see fear in it. Most people who reject this is because they've seen correction done wrong. If you've ever received it the right way, you'll never run from it again. The scripture says that God chastises those that he loves. Can I tell you the worst thing I can do to my child is just let them run them up? Because they will find themselves to a cage. They'll find themselves to cuffs. They'll find themselves to a back of a squad car. They'll find themselves to all kind of lawsuits and penalties and it'll be a rough life for them. The best thing I can do is raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Again, we don't spank in anger. We don't correct in anger. Our job as parents is to control our emotion so well that our children only get admonishment out of love. And if you can't do that, you need to wait longer. And I tell you, I know parents who give it days, and that's okay too. Because we're going to sit down and we're going to reiterate what the problem was. We're going to bring it all back up to have a conversation. But if you can't control your anger, can I tell you, the Bible says that, that to control your anger is one of the greatest strengths. One of the greatest strengths to control your anger. Book of James tells us to be slow to speak and slow to be angry, but quick to hear, quick to listen. So our correction, how we raise our children is everything. It has to do with how we are representing Christ to our families. And I'm going to close here. I spent a little too much time on that, but I think you can handle it. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I can get a lot of things wrong, but I can't get them wrong. I can fail at a lot of things, but being a husband and father, I cannot fail. Can I tell you, I can fail being your pastor. 
I cannot fail them. You see, I make a mistake. You got somebody else preaching here next week. Make a mistake. They can't replace me. Moms, dads, your children cannot replace you. No one can do your job. But if you do it God's way, you'll see a sweet spirit begin to develop in your children. Now, the question I get all the time is how do I correct an adult child? I'm going to close with this. How many of you have an adult child that is not, you don't have to raise your hand, but they're not living the way you desire them to live? And I hear it all the time. I see the prayer requests. I know it. For this, I give you the prescription of season. Understand season. Each human goes through three seasons. The first season is from the time you're born until the time you're 12 years old. In that season, the time that I spend with you says I love you. Understand that if you've got little ones, there's nothing more important than the time you're investing in them. From the time they're 13 until the time they're 22, it's the resources that you invest in them, right? I hate to say it that way, but that's what it is. The experiences, blessings you feel, right? That says, I love you. Lastly, is the craziest and the hardest part to manage. From the time they're 23 until the Lord calls us as parents home, Here's our responsibility. We show them love by the advice we give. So if you've got little ones, it's time. If you've got teenagers, it's about what you're investing in them. Are you, are you finding valuable what they find valuable? If you have adult children, what kind of advice are you giving them? So understand what season you're in. Can I tell you, if you have adult children and you're trying to address their issues with your money, it ain't going to work. Not your money is not going to address their issue. Can I tell you this? If you've got little children and you're trying to buy their affection, it won't work. They'll like the toys, but they would rather have you. If you've got teenagers and you're always trying to give them your time, it's not going to work. You're not cool anymore. Step back, understand seasons. They will come back, but they're out there creating their own channels and their own energy and their own relationships. Give them space. You see, there's two problems parenting. Either we hold on too long or we release too soon. If we hold on too long, what does that look like? It looks like a grown man whose mama after he's married comes over to clean his house. I told you. What does that look like? It looks like a parent of a teenager is always coddling them like they're a child. We hold on too long to a season or we release too soon. What does that look like? Maybe it's you have a, a 12 or a 13 year old you're letting watch rated R movies and content that'll destroy them. Be careful with that. You're releasing them to a season way too soon. You're Can I tell you the world wants to destroy their season? It wants them to see too much too soon. Why? So they skip over the development necessary to have a strong next season. This is wisdom I've given you. This is wisdom. Take this and use it. How do you correct an adult child? First off, understand you can't. You can't. You can't. So how can we 
manage this. Number one, they understand timing. Every time you see that adult child, it's not the time to correct them. Every time they're in your presence, it's not time to preach. Had a lady come to me. She goes, my kids never come to my house anymore. She goes, and they're just not living right. Let me tell you, I gave them this scripture, this scripture. I said, I wonder why they don't want to come over. Because every time they come over, they feel like their imperfections are drawn out. That all you, you're more interested in their actions than who they are. See, here's the secret I'll give you about raising adult children. I haven't done it yet. But I'm just giving you what I've seen through counseling. Your number one way is to stay so relationally close to them that when they have a need, you're where they run. Even in their mistakes. I told Maddie and Gabe this. I said, I don't care if you murdered somebody. I don't care. You come to me first. I don't care how big the issue is. You run to dad first. I'll get the fake passports and the fake IDs and the cash. (laughs) The things we do for our kids, the world has no idea, do they? We'll get savage for our babies, won't we? But I said, you come to me. Why? Because I want them to understand, number one, there is no safer place. There is no safer place. I love that Gabe is 14 years old and he feels like he can come to his dad with an issue. And I love that about you. I respect that. It's not easy. But I promise you this, I'll always be a safe place and I'm always on your team. I'll always back your play. I'll tell you when you're wrong, but I'll always hold you up. Okay, buddy? Now listen, our adult children, they want to come around. The problem is, is all they ever feel like is they get preaching from us. So, understand timing. Pray that God opens windows where they'll ask. Can I tell you, God is able to navigate problems, even in adult children, right? And so many people, they put on their connect card, they're afraid and they're overwhelmed. Can I tell you, they're going to be okay. The Bible says, raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Well, they're not quite old yet but they're not young either. So that promise hasn't had time to to grab root. Give it a little bit of time. In the meantime, don't muck it up. Don't mess it up. How do you mess it up? By being preachy, by condemning, by judging. Can I tell you, you can love and not agree at the same time. Can I tell you, I can sit at a dinner table and not bring up somebody's problems and just love them and tell them how much I care about them. And they can leave feeling like they are received and welcomed while some of their decisions aren't. And I tell you, that's just wisdom. So as parents of adult children, what does that look like? Number one, make sure you are extending the olive branch every time. Make sure you are sending out the invitation all the time. Secondly, make sure that when they extend an olive branch and they call, that you're always there. One of the craziest things I've ever seen was a family whose adult children were having issues and there was a separation that had taken place. And now the adult children were trying to make amends, but the parents would not speak to the adult children. 
Who's the adult all of a sudden? Can I tell you as a believer, we have to be. I tell this to my kids all the time. What do I say? Everybody can be a jerk, but who? Us. Everybody in this world can do what they want to do, except who? Us. Why? We're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. We no longer represent ourselves to the earth. We are emissaries and representatives of the kingdom of God. So our actions speak for him. So with adult children, those problems that they come to you with, don't preach at them. Just remind them how much you love them. When the opportunity comes, don't give them your opinion. Share with them the word of God. And then remind them that God loves them more than they could ever understand. And just say, hey, listen, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. But uh, that, that's something I know you'll work out. I know God's he loves you and he's going to work you through this. Make sure it, you created them a desire to come to you. If you're always going to them and constantly coming down on them and constantly, you're going to create some space that I promise you the enemy will fill. Close. How do we do that? By just loving them well and not connecting the problem to them. But remember, there's an enemy of their soul that's at work. So we pray without ceasing. We tear down strongholds through our prayers. But we continue loving them face to face. Is that okay with everybody? Is that okay? So now that we know how to manage problems all the way from Nora's, all the way up to, I don't know, Maddie in 10 years. Now it's up to us as parents, manage our families. Is that okay? By okay? No email sent yet? Okay, stand up on your feet. Let me bless you. God's way is so alien to us as humans. Boy, when we tap into it, such a blessing. There is such a blessing. Proverbs 17, 6 says this, as children's children are a crown to the aged and parents are the pride of their children. I tell Wendy, anytime we go to school events, we can go home, we can be tired, we can be whatever, but we dress up a little bit. Why? Go on, parent. I want my kids to be proud of me. But this scripture says that children's children are a crown to the aged. What does that mean? That means if you have maintained relational equity well enough, they'll trust you with a second generation. What a beautiful thing. I succeeded in generation one. Now they're going to bring the grandbabies up. Nothing more beautiful. My parents tell me all the time, they say, listen, I loved you, but I really love them grandbabies. Grandparents, am I telling the truth? You like your kids, but you love the grandkids, right? So that's how we know we've succeeded. When we've done it, we've raised our kids well enough. They say, hey, I want to expose my children to that love you gave me. That's what the scripture is all about. It's a crown, the aged. Something we wear with honor, that we did it well enough that they're bringing the grandbabies around. It's a great thing, isn't it? Let me bless you. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that when we apply your word, and it's not easy. Lord, there's times I do wish that you would have created an easier way. Sometimes I wish there was an easier way to correct you. But there, it's just not. It's according to your word. 
but it's also not done the way I was raised. It's also not done the way the way that the world says do it. It's not done the way that I imagine it's done. It's done according to your scripture. And you designed humans. So who better would know how to correct? So I trust you today. I don't lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I acknowledge you. That includes my parenting. That includes how I manage my family. I just want to say thanks. That I don't have to guess today. I can go to your word for absolutes with how I manage my family. And I thank you. Lord, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you, Lord. You're going to bring us back next week with more of your word, more wisdom in our heart. And Lord, hopefully what we study here today will challenge us to make our relationships with our family even richer. We'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.